Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome everyone to the Story Box. This is the place to be if you're a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, growing abundantly, and if you want to improve your overall life. My name is Jay Phantom, and I've made it my purpose to unbox and share the amazing stories from people of every profession all over the world. I'm grateful that you're here today. Let's journey into the Story Box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Welcome everyone back to a very inspiring episode of the Storybox podcast. Now, this one I did a little while ago, but I was waiting specifically for uh, his movie to be released because I want you guys, the moment you finish listening to this episode, to go and watch the film. Uh, But for those of you that don't know who my guest is today, you're going to want to go and watch the film anyway after listening to his story because like I said in the very beginning, it is very inspiring. His name is Chris Norton. Now, Chris got knocked down and I mean he got knocked down hard. He was a college football player. He saw an opening for a tackle but mistimed his jump by a split second. That's all it took. Instead of being in front of the ball, he collided with the ball carrier's legs and in an instant, He lost all feeling of movement from his neck down. He was told he would never be able to move again. Imagine being told that. He could have let it define him, but like he says, our lives aren't shaped by circumstance. They are shaped by us. Perseverance isn't about the physical act of standing. It's about attitude and the ability to shape yourself in the face of adversity. So, As Chris says, he reached down and found the power that defines us, the power to stand. With the support of his family, friends, faith, and the love of his life, Emily, who is also very incredible, uh, he proved the doctors wrong and walked the stage of graduation. And most recently, he walked Emily seven yards down the aisle at his wedding. And his story has been published twice, first with uh, his father and now with Emily. Plus, he's got a documentary out, which is what I want you guys to go and watch straight after you've listened to this, which is a story about uh, his life and it's titled Seven Yards. 
He, Chris now travels across the country to inspire people from all walks of life, teaching them how to unlock the power to stand. And Chris has decided that his own life is his main purpose is to empower others to overcome their own obstacles. So if you have one currently that is in the way, take inspiration from Chris. You can break from it. You can break away from it. And Chris is going to show you how. So if you do enjoy this one and you do get something from it, please share it around to your friends and your family. Let everyone know about this episode. It is bound to change someone's life. I just know it. Uh, it certainly did uh, leave a, a great impact on my life. I've been following Chris uh, and his journey uh, for since we spoke, really, and have really, really been encouraged by all the things that he has done in the meantime since this conversation. But um, please uh, also leave a, a five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Make sure before you leave to subscribe for more amazing stories coming at you now four times a week, uh, which is pretty pretty amazing if I do say so myself. But wanted to give you guys more and more uh, stories for your week. But um, also you can watch the full video now over on YouTube. Uh, links are in the show notes below. But my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to get the power to stand. Stand strong and walk seven yards, not that long, but seven yards into the story box and listen to the incredible story, the inspirational story of none other than Chris Norton. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I'm excited to you know, share my story and inspire others. So am I, man. Really absolute pleasure to have you on here. I have one question for you before we dive right into your backstory and, and why you do what you do and everything like that. And what does success look like to you? Oh, I think success is really when you can make a positive difference in not just your life, but someone else's life. And just have like this positive effect, the spirit on others that uh, is contagious because uh, we all influence others. Mm. Our everyday presence is an influence, uh, good or bad, uh, maybe even sometimes neutral. But I think the more that we can just positively impact the people around us, um, just the better this world would be. And I think that looks like success. How do you go about creating that positivity and basically that influence of positivity? positivity to people well first i'm conscious of it like i know that i do have an influence uh, and i'm not just talking like just through like a, this podcast or through like my public speaking or books or like a film but just like my children my my wife my friends uh strangers i just knowing that how i handle how i carry myself how i react to different situations situations like that has a ripple effect that has an influence and i want to be a role model for other people and i'm also looking for role models myself because you know life isn't always hard and it's okay to acknowledge that it's okay to um, acknowledge to other people that maybe you are struggling or i'm not saying hide away your your struggles or your feelings but it's just trying to be your best version of yourself and knowing that um you're your role model, your influence, it matters to other people. So I try to just be conscious of that and then 
Uh, I try to, you know, I'm, I'm a man of faith. So um, whether it's scripture, um, it's knowing that uh, just how my outlook on life. So I'm just really conscious about focusing on progress. I'm focusing on my abilities and what I can do. And I just try to channel that in. I try to stay away from negative news as much as I can um, and just try to really fill my cup up with positivity and, and progress and, and the possibilities. I love that, man. And you mentioned there that you are a man of faith and we'll get to, I guess, your backstory in a moment. But what do you mean by you're a man of faith? What sort of faith? Because I know there's, there's different kinds out there. What mm-hmm. kind of faith do you have in your life? Yeah, so um, Christianity, yes. and uh, I believe that um, the, the God, uh, the, there's a plan for me, a plan to prosper uh, me, not the, to harm me, and uh, a plan that you know I'm, I'm striving to achieve and, and try to, to do kind works in the world. Um, just uh, you know, as a Jesus Christ follower, and just uh, try to choose love over everything, and uh, to to love others unconditionally and to be forgiving. And so I'm just, uh, I follow my faith and just try to be the, the best version of myself. I feel like it brings out the best in me. And mm-hmm. so that's why um, I encourage having a faith that brings out the best of you. Mm, I love that. I, I, I personally am a Christian as well. I was brought up in a Christian household, uh, became a Christian when I was five and then reaffirmed my salvation when I was 10 because uh, I understood it a little bit more. But I'm curious to know, when did you become a Christian? And have you always been brought up in a Christian household as well? Yeah, I've always brought up in a Christian household. So my parents would drag me to um, you know Sunday school or to church. I didn't want to go. Um, they would you know have me go to these different like Wednesday groups or church groups. And it really wasn't something that resonated with me, honestly. Like I I believed in God, but it's one thing to like believe in it, but to really, truly believe in it. Mm-hmm. And I think what the big turning point for me was my injury when I lost everything because before I felt like I could do everything on my own. Like I didn't really need God. I only prayed when I really needed something. But otherwise, I'm like, you know what? I think I got this. But when you kind of go through this dark valley, when you, when you're, are out of control and you realize that you need there's something bigger out there and that you need to lean on him and uh, believe in him and not just when it's bad but also when it's good and giving thanks and and it just taught me this whole new um belief and faith uh believing in god and how that looks not just when it's bad but also when it's good and and just always keeping in mind just all my blessings I think before I kind of took it a little bit for granted. And um, while I was thankful, I just never really acknowledged God for what I did have until I lost everything. Mm. I think it's the, the mindset of when, when you're a little kid growing up and you, you sort of drag church, it's almost like you're being spoon fed all the information. And it's sort of like the Bible talks about finding your own salvation in, in fear and trepidation. And it's very, very true. Like when you, that moment you realize okay, this is real for me, it's that little, little moment of fear, like, oh crap, this is actually real. <laughs> like what yeah. have I been doing for such a long period of time? Uh, yeah. But it, it seems like to me that after this injury, which I'm going to ask you next about how has 
So what actually happened and that moment of realizing that God is real, what was that like for you? Yeah. So, um, I was just an 18 year old kid and I was playing American football uh, for a small college in Northeast Iowa, just in the Midwest of the United States. And, uh, it was the sixth game of the season. I worked my way up to different, the charts of the, the starting lineups and, and the third quarter, uh, we had this kickoff where we're kicking the ball off to the other team. Um, I, my job is just to stop the ball carrier. He's going to catch the ball. And I'm, my plan was to just bring him down. I'm going to hit him as hard as I can. Hopefully he drops the ball. And so I can remember, you know, I'm running down the field as hard as I can go. And I see this opening for me. And I know that that ball carrier is going to try running through that gap. But I was going to stop him. And so I go for it. I hit him with full speed, full force. But I mistimed my tackle just by a split second. Wow. Instead of getting my head in front of the ball carrier, my head collides right with his legs. And in an instant, I just lose all feeling and movement from my neck down. And I'm completely conscious. I hear the collision of players above me. The whistle blows, the pile clears off, but I don't. I can't get up. And I, I tell myself, I'm like, Chris, you got to get up. And then as hard as I try to push off the ground, absolutely nothing is working. Out of the corner of my eye, I can see the defense huddled up. They're waiting to take their field. They're all waiting on me to just get up. And so I'm thinking, this is embarrassing. I have to get up. I tell myself again, like, Chris, you got to get up. Just stand up. But little did I know, I just suffered a severe spinal cord injury. And it would take me you know, many years before I would find the strength to be able to stand on my feet. So talk to me a little bit about what happened after. So you're on the grounds. I believe the medics came, wheeled you off. You're in the hospital. And what was going through your brain? Did the doctor tell you that you're never going to walk again? Was it sort of like that scenario? Yeah. So, yeah, they, they take me, they tend to me, they take me off the field. They call in for a helicopter, which when they have to call in for a helicopter, like that's when I know yeah, this is serious. Like something bad is happening where even the local hospital wasn't equipped enough for what was happening. And so that was my first like big indication that something is very bad because when I'm going through this, when I'm motionless and people are attending to me, you know, I'm still thinking my kind of invincible 18-year-old self, like, it's going to be fine. Stay calm. Like, nothing bad has ever happened to you. Bad things happen to other people that you read about in the newspaper, that you watch on television. Maybe they're guests on your podcast. But there's no way something bad's going to happen to me. Well, when they call in the helicopter, it's... That was kind of that turning point. And so I'm flown out to Mayo Clinic. I have emergency surgery on my neck to fuse it back together. Uh, the next day, uh, when I'm kind of conscious and two, uh, the surgeon tells me, like, Chris, you have a 3% chance to ever regain any feeling or movement back below your neck. Cool. It's not a 3% chance to walk. It's a 3% chance to ever move again, a uh, 3% chance to be able to scratch an itch on your face, to feed yourself. And, you know, it was so overwhelming, so surreal, because 
just the day before I was walking. I was suiting up for my college football game, and now I'm lying there paralyzed from the neck down with a 3% chance of ever moving. And it was a heavy blow to everything that I thought was important. Mm. Did you ever, what was your mindset like during that moment? The doctor was saying to you, you got a 3% chance. At first, you know, it was really, I was numb. Like I was just trying to process it and just like figure out like, is this a bad dream? Like, is this really happening to me? And it kind of then made me mad. Like, no way, not me. Like, this can't be my life. Like, this is not the plan I had for myself. Like, this is not how I envision my life going. And I'm not going to allow it to be ruined by being paralyzed. So if I have a 3% chance, then I'm going to do whatever it takes to be that 3%. Like, all I need is some sort of indication of hope or a possibility and, like, I'm going to drop everything else in my life, which I really didn't have a choice, but I'm going to commit everything I have to being in that 3%. I'm not going to end up like the 97% who don't recover from this. So it kind of like lit this fire in me, this kind of this desperation of like, oh no, like I can't be where I'm at. Like I have to beat this, which, you know, I had that fire during the day. I was surrounded by good influences, family, friends. You know, I had my faith, I, which I, that's when I really started to pray and lean on God and uh, look to his word for, for hope because there, there wasn't a lot of hope at the time. But having God's word kind of gave me that light. But at nighttime is when everything would just fall apart. Mm. Uh, just trying to fall asleep. But all you can think about is the what ifs. Like, will I always be like this? Mm. Will I ever go back to school? Will I have to live with my family the rest of my life? Will a girl ever want to be with me? Like, how can I be happy? Like, everything I love doing involved some sort of physical movement and activity. I loved the outdoors, hiking. I loved uh, boating, uh, playing sports. Sports was my life. Like, that was my identity, being an athlete. Um, so it was just like, how can I live a life like this? And like, I had to ponder that question every single night. I cry myself to sleep. So it was this constant battle, this wrestling match. And really just, I could not wait for the sun to rise. Like I knew when that sunrise, that's when things um, got going. That's when I had my distractions and that's when I could get to work. That's when I kind of poured my frustration, my sadness, my anger into the possibility of getting better. How long did it take you to get to the realization that you are going to be in that three percentile, three percentile, and actually work towards walking again, or or actually finding feeling and and this positive mindset? So what I was really conscious about is extracting every bit of progress that I could. So every little thing that pointed towards a possibility for recovery, possibility for hope, uh, or possibility like to walk and get my own life back. I sucked everything out of that I could. So uh, the, like the first day I was able to shrug my left shoulder. And so I got super excited. Like this is, this is a sign. Like I'm shrugging my left shoulder. And then the next couple of days, I'm able to shrug my right shoulder. And I started to get some sensation in my toes and my, and my legs. And 
So I, every single bit of progress, I just, that was a sign that things were going to get better. And so I was really good about that. I was really conscious about that um, to not allow the things that weren't coming along uh, to really derail that hope. So I just really stayed focused on that. So I would encourage anyone who's listening to this too, like you have to point out every bit of progress that you make. Um, that kind of fuels that tank. That kind of gives you that fire, the, the motivation to keep going. Uh, even when things aren't looking good, because uh, I could have so easily focused on the rest of my body that wasn't working, uh, which there was plenty of it that wasn't. But I just was really good about just always pointing out that progress. And I think that's a huge part of uh, going through adversity is even when things are horrible, finding the little bits of progress really help you in that journey. Do you have a, a life verse? A life verse? Yes, yeah, from the Bible. Yeah, um, I would say one that like really kind of helped me through those times was uh, Joshua 1.9, uh, mm-hmm. which is, um, I'm going to ad-lib this, but it's like, do not be dismayed for the God is with you and um, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged for God is with you wherever you go and wherever you go through. Uh, it's not the exact wording, but um, that's kind of the gist of just knowing that take courage. Uh, it's going to be okay. Um, God is with you. Keep going. Keep fighting is kind of what I took from that. And also, um, I believe it's uh, Philippians uh, 4.13 that, you know, through Christ, all things are possible. Mm-hmm. And just believing that all things are possible, that my recovery is possible. That, um, I, I can beat this. So those were kind of the ones that really had, I had on my wall, I had different Bible verses and I had different quotes on my wall. And those were uh, two of them that uh, really helped kind of, I had to focus on to get me through. I like this Bible verse, the um, Isaiah 40 verse 31 Mm. talks about those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on the wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, they will walk and not be faint. And I like it. it's uh, one of, it's my life verse and, and one of the many sayings that I hold dear to my heart is I'm on the path of an eagle. And no matter how many times I get beaten down, I mean, I've never experienced an injury such as what you're, you've experienced and what you have to live with, but I know what it's like to be beaten down on a consistent basis and feeling like you can't get back up but then having to get the courage and get the strength to actually get back up. But when you do, it's like you're soaring higher than what you did before Mm -hmm. and just keep going up and up and up. And that Mm -hmm. progression, like I keep saying, every little bit helps you form your identity once again. That's what I'm curious about for you, Chris, is knowing your identity again. How long did it take for you to actually form your purpose and what is your purpose now and has it changed over time? Yeah. So I was lost for a while trying to figure out like, who am I? Like, why would people want to, would people value out of me? Because I always valued out of myself as being this strong athlete and um, I didn't have that. And so what I began to realize is that, 
I might have cared about that, but no one actually really cared about it. No one really cared about how strong I was or how well I performed in different sporting events. What they cared about was who I was as a person. Mm-hmm. And that's something that the injury couldn't take away from me. It couldn't take away, you know, my positivity. Uh, it couldn't take away, you know, the optimism, this, um, just kindness and love that we all have inside of us. So uh, that's when I realized that's really where your identity lies is, is who you are as a person and just the way you make people feel. And so when I realized that I could still bring joy to this world, despite my physical limitations, that's when I realized that there was more uh, to who I thought I was. And though I wasn't that the athlete, but I could still take what makes an athlete a great athlete, which is, you know, determination. Mm-hmm. It's hard work. It's, um, you know, kind of that leadership, all those different things that really makes up a great athlete. I, I still had that. And so I never lost that part of the identity. It's just um, used in a different way. And it was used Funny. towards my recovery. Yeah. And, and so then, uh, and also then I began to realize that I had a platform to also inspire people. So when I was on my journey, like I'm going to get my life back, I'm going to get my movement all back. And, and when people heard about the story and they read about it, I got all these messages like, Chris, you're so inspiring. And I'm just like, I'm not inspiring. I'm, I'm just trying to get better. I'm trying to recover. Uh, I don't never been called an inspiration before. It, it was just kind of like awkward for me at first. And, but I began to realize that, you know, anytime someone refuses to give up, anytime someone um, is up against the odds and, and they're not willing to back down and they're, and they're working through it in a progressive, positive way, that is an inspiring, no matter who you are or where you're at, like that is inspirational. Was I realized that I could help people have hope, uh, help people find um, an opportunity in their own situation to get through it. Uh, then I wanted to, you know, maximize that. I wanted to amplify it. And so I, I started then figure out ways to how can I help people? How can I give people hope and, and inspiration? So it led to, you know, a book, our first book, The Power of Faith, When Tragedy Strikes. It led to me becoming a professional keynote speaker. So I, I get to travel the world sharing, you know, uh, my messages and, and helping people find their own strength within them. And so I kind of turned into all these different things and a foundation. So we start a wheelchair camp for kids and also, and we also help kids with their recoveries. So this nonprofit, um, so just a, a number of different ways uh, that I'm able to kind of give back and find a purpose um, by helping others and serving others. I think what you're doing is, is honestly incredible, man. And what you've had to endure is inspiring. And especially for someone like myself that, sees it and seeing you do the things that you do, sharing your story, that is impacting so many lives and it's impacted my life over here in Sydney, Australia. So I want to thank you for that, Chris. And I want to ask you as well about you, you were able to walk the stage at graduation according to your bio. But Mm -hmm. what I'm curious about is how did you meet Emily, your now wife? Yeah, so it was about three years after my injury, and I came across this girl through the internet, and we uh, just it was like a dating app, and we just started like, you know, small talk, which 
I've had these small talk conversations. I never went anywhere. I never put much stock in it, but uh, she kind of was curious about my story. And so I, I told her and uh, she was just really blown away by my attitude, my positivity, despite everything I had to deal with, like with living in a wheelchair. And so she um, just kept talking to me and we hit it off and I became really intrigued with her. She was uh, beautiful. And so I'll never forget uh, meeting up with her for the first time and uh, seeing her cross the street. And my, I think my jaw dropped. I had to like pick it back up. I just couldn't believe like, oh my gosh, this, this girl's gorgeous. And she's into me like, Chris, do not ruin this. Like, don't mess this up. And does she realize like how bad my injury is? Because like, does she know what she's getting herself into? Because, you know, I can't do a lot of the same, um, you know, boyfriend, husband roles that you kind of think of with a guy. Like, you kind of think of the protector, the, the guy who's going to fix a leaky faucet or you do the heavy lifting for moving or, you know, there's various things that you kind of automatically associate with being a, a man or a guy like I just can't do it I need help with pretty much everything and so Emily was just this sweet loving person who just she really cared about who I was as a person she didn't care about how fast I could move or my uh, limited arm movement or whatever it was she just really wanted to get to know me for me so I think that was really important and then uh, she didn't mind helping me out she um, wanted to see me succeed and I told her about this crazy goal that I want to walk across the stage of my college graduation, which, you know, I could barely walk with a couple people all around me, like moving my legs. And she came alongside me, made my goal her goal. And so she would push me, train with me. Uh, we even like relocated a train at a special facility all to get ready for this graduation walk. And so um, that's where it led to where we begin to realize that, hey, you know who walks? with me the best is, is Emily. So let's have her walk me across the graduation stage and how special that would be. But it would be even more special if we're walking across the stage, if we were engaged and I was in love with her, I knew she was the one. And so the day before my graduation walk, I proposed to her and she was completely shocked. And I was way more nervous for my proposal than the walk in front of thousands of people. Like I would not eat that day. Emily kept saying, like, why are you not eating? Like, you have a big walk tomorrow. Like, you have to eat food. But I just could not stop thinking about that proposal. And thankfully, she said yes. Otherwise, that next day would have been super awkward. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, it all worked out. And, uh, yeah, then we, we took the stage uh, for this goal that, you know, I was kind of on my heart for four years. Wow. Uh, and so it was, it was pretty remarkable then to – not only walk across the stage and inspire everybody in that room, but to see it go viral. Uh, it's been viewed over 300 million times across the world. Uh, I, had, I had a lot of hits actually from Australia, different uh, news stations in Australia were, were covering it. And um, so that was pretty remarkable just to see how many people it reached. And, you know, my goal was maybe that could inspire, you know, that room or maybe that local state but never in a million years I've ever imagined that this short little four-yard walk would just erupt. That's all it takes sometimes. Yeah. That's all it can take. And you, yep. just, never, you just never know. But 
you were doing something for you and for your life and the world was inspired by it. <laughs> which yeah. Incredible. No, I know. And I, and I think too, like I can think of countless days and nights where I just, I would put in, you know, four to six hours a day training and I would just see it just a sliver of progress. And there were so many times where I asked myself, why am I doing this? Like, mm -hmm. is this seriously worth it? Like, why do I keep going? But there was just something in me that just could not let this go. It's like God placed this on my heart to go and to not stop. And so I just kept taking one little step in front of the other, not really knowing where I was going, why I was going, but I just knew it was important. I knew it needed to, to happen. And, uh, and I think uh, it, this is, was all in story to just really impact a lot of people and to give people this hope that they didn't have before. Mm. Hope's a very powerful thing. Same with belief. It and, is. And, and you're a living testament of that. And I like what you said, one step in front of the next, just keep on going. And mm -hmm. I, have, I have this saying that I came up with this year, actually, it's be persistent to remain consistent of the things that you want most in your life. And you're going to watch it grow. You're going to watch it mm -hmm. just become something you never really thought was possible, but you got to, you got to be persistent at taking that first step and just yep. the next one, the next one. And then consistency is the flow and effect of being persistent. And there's, I love a, it. there's a, there's another thing that I have uh, that goes along with that, that I'm, I'm writing in my book at the moment, which is the cat principle. So C stands for choice. A stands for acceptance and P stands for persistence. So those three things, you've got to understand that life is ultimately a gift of free will, uh, that we have the ability to choose what we want to do. So we make the choice sometimes to accept our reality as being real. And if we are going through struggles and challenges, we accept it's like that and it's going to be like that for as long as we choose it to be. But then what you've got to understand is it doesn't have to be like that. You can make the choice to get out of it, but you've got to be persistent at not going back to it. Yeah. So um, I thought I'd, I'd share that because it, it's very, very encouraging to hear that you in your life, you were the cat, prince, cat method. You yeah. made the choice. You didn't accept reality for what it was. You mm -hmm. thought you could be something else and you were persistent at it. And you just kept going. You kept taking one step after the next, and over yep. 300 million people are able to watch you take those four inches. <laughs> yeah. But no one ever saw you working really hard. No one ever yeah. saw. They just saw you walking. Mm -hmm. So now that's a, that's another thing too. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, no one they won't really know. Like they'll just think. I only walked four yards. Like people, like people who cares? Like people walk all the time. So why would anyone care enough to watch this video or even, you know, share it? So that's another thing too, that was kind of blowing me away. It's like, do people really need, they need to know the backstory, but I think people was really kind of cool. They, they see the struggle. Mm -hmm. They see how difficult it is. And when you can see someone's struggles and difficulties and, and they're going, there's something special about that it kind of lights a spark in all of us and so i think um 
when you can do that for others, when that's why I also encourage people not to be so shy about their pain, their struggles. And it's okay to be vulnerable. Vulnerability is a strength because there is something to be said. There's a healing process when you're more vulnerable. And it's also, it kind of ignites other people's fight by seeing people's courage uh, of knowing that, hey, they're struggling, but they're going to keep going. Uh, and so I'm, I have to be very vulnerable with everything that I'm going through. And so I know it, it can light a change for somebody else. Mm. I appreciate your vulnerability right now, Chris. It's, it's uh, touching. Um, I'm, I'm writing notes as we go along. It's, it's quite impacting, actually. Um, I'm, I'm curious about some of the things that your wife has taught you that some of the lessons that you hold dear to your heart. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that jumps to mind is Emily, which really makes her special for me. I mean, there's a ton of things that make her special, but one thing that jumps out to me is that she's a great spouse because she's a pushy person. Like she cares about me and she's not afraid to kind of give me that little nudge in the right direction. And I think I'm like the epitome of, just a lot of great pushy people in my life. It's like a, having a great coach, uh, a great mentor, a great teacher, a great parent. They're all a little pushy because they care about you. They want to see the best for you and they kind of help you guide you in the right direction. So I'd say, you know, one thing with Emily is that she's cared enough to always kind of give me a little push to be my best self, uh, whether it's with my recovery or me as a person, a man, uh, a husband. She's always there to like help guide me. And then she has like such strong morals and principles, like uh, unbelievable how, how strong and, and principled she is. But and she loves so profusely. And something that is really passionate to her is, is children, and especially children who, who have been hurt, who've been abused, who've gone through, you know, the foster care system, who don't have homes and so something that uh, we started doing at when i was 23 years old we accepted a foster placement of a 17 year old where she came and lived with us and we, we took care of her to help her graduate and just give her and let her know that she's loved and, and cared about because it's, this is something that emily loves doing and she had a heart for foster care and so it was really neat to uh, be able to not only open our home up to her, but to 18 different children now. Uh, we've come, have come into our home and that we've helped take care of and love on them and let them know that they're special and they're a child of God and uh, there's a special place for them in this world. And so that's been really rewarding. That's all from Emily. Like Emily gave me that push too. Of, I didn't think I was ready to be a dad. Like I, uh, I was still trying to figure out myself and, you know, would I be that good of a dad given my, my uh, physical movement and limitations, but uh, she knew we could do it. And um, she's, she's incredible. That is, that is beautiful, man. 18 kids you've helped. That's 18 lives, 18 precious lives. Like that is, I believe that's Christ's heart. That's so true. Like the, Christ, when he came, he spent a lot of time with the, the kids, helping the kids. You know, such a profound truth and a profound thing as well that you and your wife are doing. 
And I, I really commend you for that, man, because I'm I'm 23 at the moment, 24 next month, and I don't even I don't even do that. So oh, that's it's a big step. <laughs> it's a huge step, man. Like, I'm not even thinking about kids at the moment. I know. My, yeah. I know my mum wants grandkids, <laughs> but yeah. I'm just like slow down. <laughs> um, it's really, really encouraging to hear that man, like almost bringing a tear to my eyes, like just hearing it. Cause that, that is something close to my heart. You know, I, I love helping kids. Um, I was, I did, did after school care for two years and just saw kids that went through the foster care system, kids that had a lot of hurt and a lot of pain mm-hmm. uh, in their mind and in their life. And just being able to put a smile on their face this meant the absolute world, not just to me, but to them. And, yeah. but you're, but you're changing, you're doing so much more than that, man. You're changing their whole life. And we're, we're trying. Yep. That's incredible, man. Um, we adopted five of them too. Five girls. Adopted five. Far out, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We, have a, we have a little boy in our care now, but we have five girls and then we're fostering a little boy right now. How do you do it, man? <laughs> I, I get my wife, uh, she's huge support. And then also we have, uh, some family close by too that are, are pretty helpful, um, that can help kind of off weight, uh, the burden. But I mean, honestly though, like we, we kind of just figure it out. You just kind of just do it and you fall in love with them and it becomes, it doesn't become a really a burden. Like it just becomes just an opportunity, a special opportunity to really, uh, connect and to, uh, really love on them, give them opportunities. And uh, they're just part of the family. And we're just so happy that uh, we get to share it with them. Mm, I love that, man. I've got a few more questions for you because I am mindful of your time. I feel like I can talk to you for ages as well. Uh, thank you. I want to I ask you, man, about you've got a documentary about your life and you've released, I believe, have you released one book or two books? Two books now. Two books. And both of them, have they been bestsellers? Well, they've been... They've been bestsellers on Amazon, yes. Wow. Yep. Wow. That's, that's honestly amazing. And you've got your foundation as well. You've got a lot of things that you're doing. You're speaking engagements. You've got so many kids to raise as well. All this stuff. So I want to ask you, what has been your greatest achievement so far in life? Oh, I'd say the greatest achievement has to be, um, you know, getting married to a wonderful woman like Emily, like finding her and then also just having my kids, like being able to uh, adopt and to foster uh, those things. Like the family is really important to me. So just be able to, you know, have that in my life. And then obviously um, it all comes and and give thanks to God um, for it all to be possible. Um, But I would say those are probably, those gotta be the biggest things that jump to mind that I'm really, most proud of um, because they're, I don't know, they're just something special about, you know, that, that family. Mm. I love it, man. These are more fun questions before we get to the last two serious ones. (laughs) And so the more quick fire. So your favorite meal? Steak. Why steak? I don't know. I just love a good steak. Like it's just something that um, is a treat for me when I get steak. Uh, I also love chicken fried rice. That's another one that is so good. Uh, Have you had Wagyu beef? Uh Oh, 
Oh, dude, you got to try Wagyu beef. It's like this okay. tender, succulent. It melts in your mouth. It looks like marble. Oh. And okay. I, don't know, I don't know if you got it over in the States, but if you're ever in Sydney, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat you to one of my friends. He, he runs a Wagyu beef uh, company. And oh, cool. It is the most incredible steak you will ever have in your life. It is. Oh, nice. Seriously, man. <laughs> All right. A I love it. Mine, I'm in. Quick story. A friend of mine actually uh, gifted me the best cut of the Wagyu beef, which is over $300. It's huge. Wow. And you cut it, it, it just like, it's so seamless. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's so good, man. Uh, when definitely when you come over here, we'll, we'll link okay. it up and, and you can enjoy it. Uh, yeah. Your favorite book? Oh, favorite book. Um, I would say the one that comes to mind, one of the most recent ones I read was uh, Atomic Habits yes. by James Clear. It, it's, a, it's a great read. Like it's a very making habits, very practical book mm -hmm. uh, with great science, but it's not, it doesn't bore you with the science. It, it's really applicable to everything that you do. So I thought that was really great. I'm rereading it at the moment. I think for me, it's so profound, like that mm -hmm. book. I mean, we all struggle with habits, good or bad. Yeah. I mean, it's just that we are creatures of habit. Yeah. And addictions as well. It, it's a fascinating book. Um, mm -hmm. so I, I encourage anyone to, that's listening to get the book as well. Um, so your favorite film, your favorite actor, and the last movie that you watched. Oh, wow. Okay, so I would say, I would say the favorite film. Man, I, I'm a, I love movies. Okay, yes, <laughs> and so I, I love like the Batman trilogy that was directed by Christopher Nolan, uh, the Christian Bale. Uh, that that's a. I know it's not one movie, but it's kind of the trilogy of, of those three. Are I love those, and then I also love comedy. So I kind of like the old school Adam Sandler. Yep. So I like the. Um, the wedding singer, Happy Gilmore, uh, are those kind of like the uh, rom-coms I enjoy. And then actor, I would say, um, oh, wow. I mean, I would say someone like Christian Bale um, mm. is really great. And um, also an uh, Australian, um, Hemsworth, um, Chris, Chris Hemsworth. Hemsworth. Yeah. Yeah, I love Chris Hemsworth too. So um, uh, he's great. I'm trying to get him on the podcast. I've actually interviewed his uh, stunt double, uh, oh, Bobby, nice. Bobby Holland Hanton. Uh, the guy's okay. great, man. But they've they've been working together for like nine something years on on every single one of Chris Hemsworth films. Bobby's been there being his stunt double. So I'm like oh, cool. trying, trying to get them both on. <laughs> That'd be sweet. I'd be epic, man. Uh, looking forward to that. And the last movie that you watched? Um, I just, we just finished the movie last night. It's called. Uh, Palm Springs ah, yeah. uh, with Adam Sam Adam Sandberg and uh, it's on it's on Hulu. Uh, we we enjoyed that one. I don't think we got Hulu in in Sydney. We're missing out on a lot of things. So <laughs> no Hulu subscription. I don't think so. No, it's good. There's there's a dog. Um, my last two questions for you. This one's my legacy question that I ask people at the end, and. You've reached the age of 100 and your friends have put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how they got it. They just did. 
and they're showing it to you on your 100th birthday, what do you want that film to say and to show about your life? I think that I live life to the fullest. Like I want to know that when I die that I didn't just waste it mm. and that I really made something out of it. And so I think I'd be really proud to see um, just a full life, a life that's uh, giving and that's selfless and that really made a positive difference on a lot of people. Um, so I think if I, if I had that rolling through the, the film, I would feel really good about um, my 100 years of life. I love that, man. My last question for you is, so why do you think that it is important for people to share their story? I think I, I mentioned a little bit about it earlier. Just when you share stories, it, you connect with people. It also allows you to, you know, voice maybe a vulnerability or a struggle and, and really vulnerabilities and struggles. They're universal. We're, we're all going through something like, uh, some people are better at hiding it. Me, I can't hide my challenges. Everyone, everywhere I go, everyone sees that I have challenges. Um, and so as a result, people are really kind and they're loving to me. They're patient with me. Uh, they want to be more helpful, which I really appreciate. But we're all going through something. And I think the more we can share our stories and you know some of those struggles, the more we'll feel united and connected with each other and also just sparks motivation. I just want to say thank you so much for your time. I've really, really enjoyed speaking to you. You've challenged me. You've inspired me. You've motivated me as well. So thank you so much for coming on the Storybox podcast and sharing your incredible story with us. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And uh, I appreciate everyone listening in. And I'd say too, like, if you ever if you want to watch the story uh, through film, um, my documentary, 70 Yards, it's, it's being uh, worked out right now. It just got the final cut. So hopefully it'll, it'll land in a, in a great platform, a great place for everyone to enjoy and kind of see the backstory to everything that's kind of come about. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 